Hey, welcome back to the Infamous Podcast. In this very last episode of 2023, being recorded on the very last day of 2023, I'm Brian. This is Daryl. And Daryl, this is episode 200, I'm sorry, 416, Rebel Boo, I mean Moon, an Infamous Podcast review. <laughs> I I don't know why. I think I miss I misread it. I thought you said boon. I'm like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. No, it just says boo with like six O's. Uh, no, O's. I mean yeah. when I when I first brought it up mm-hmm. in in the note. So because it says rebel boo and then in parentheticals yeah. it says moon comma an infamous review infamous review. So yeah. um. Yeah, so we're talking about Rebel Moon. Um, I think we're vastly different. I'm pretty sure your score is probably going to be double mine because you refuse to tell me. Um, and then we're going to talk about episode eight of Monarch and episode five of Reacher. And that will be it for 2023 for the Infos podcast. And we'll be back with our best of... Are we going to do TV or movies first? What do you want to do? Uh, that's That would be... I. Probably let's do TV first, so, just in case there's a couple movies yeah. I might try to watch yeah. in between. I mean, if I can get to see minus one between now and next week, I, it, yeah. like that might change things. But, um, but then I feel like it's too much recency bias on mine. So, but anyway, all right. Um, so, real quick before we get started, uh, we both saw Iron Claw and Anyone But You this past week. Um, we don't really have time to rec- to do full reviews. So, Daryl, just real quick for uh, anyone but but you, out of ten, Sydney Sweeney in a shower. What do you give it? <laughs> I seven point two five out of ten. Nice. So, I mean, I, really I give it. Sydney Sweeney in a shower eleven out of ten, maybe a yeah. one hundred out of ten. <laughs> but because um, she's my current it girl. But yeah, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right in line with you with a seven out of ten, just a solid seven. It's um, it's a great throwback to to old comedies of our youth. Um, I thought the the chemistry between her and Glenn Powell were was really great. Um, I thought the supporting cast was a lot of fun, um, and it was really interesting to see the the dude who was the dickhead driver in Rebel Moon play a dickhead ex fiance in this movie. So um, <laughs> I think dude's getting typecast. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, no, it, I, I thought it was great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a, um, it's a 100% buy the day it comes out, not wait for, you know, any kind of sale for me. Yeah. It's very, it's it Im, uh, imminently rewatchable yep. too. Like, extremely rewatchable. Oh yeah. And then uh, iron claw, what do you give it out of 10? Holy shit. How big can Zach Efron's get? <laughs> <laughs> Iron Claw, I give an eight, and some of that—I mean, great movie, uh, great acting. And, you know, I know the story. You know, grew up around the story coming up, and obviously stuff I didn't know. But eight out of ten, uh, even though I don't think because of the seriousness of it, it's not for me as rewatchable as anyone but you. But it's still something I will absolutely buy when it comes out. Yeah. Um. So I'm like seven and a half out of ten. Um. We were of the age that when Carrie Von Eric hit WWE and was badly Mr. Perfect in the uh, in their Continental title picture, um, we were the exact right age to be like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. And yeah. like knowing what we know now, it would have been even better knowing that he didn't have a right foot. Um, yeah, that, just which, thinking about that. You know, and, um, 
is crazy. Seeing highlights here and there in the last couple of days of his old matches. Yeah. During that time, it's like, what? What? Really? Jeez. Yeah, the way he moved and everything. Um, you know, and the fact that he was a former Olympian and your well potential Olympian and all of that stuff, it just makes oh, him God, so yeah. much more tragic. Uh yeah. And to be honest, it was nice to see Kevin uh Von Eric or Atkinson um show up on AEW a couple weeks ago um in correspondence with the movie because, you know, uh MJF, God rest his uh championship. Um Oh geez, yeah, I saw that. Was uh was the executive producer and and was briefly in it. Blink and you miss him. Uh but yeah, it was like I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'll I'll definitely rewatch it a whole bunch just because, you know, that's kind of yeah. my my jam is uh biopics yeah. and then wrestling. So Yeah. But I yeah. was actually watching part of the dark side of the ring last night. Oh, uh, about the Von Eric family? Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't finish it, but it's rough. It's hard to get through. It's man. Yeah, it's tough. Like that family. Jeez. <clears throat> I mean, they had a curse. Fritz uh Fritz leaned into it and you know. I'm not saying he's to blame for, for everything there, but like, you know, um, yeah, it was, it was, a it was a good one, but we'll talk more about that when we talk about our movies. Cause that's obviously, yeah. I'm assuming that's on both of our lists, but I don't uh, want to be too assaulted. I'm, I'm actually not sure yet. Okay. It's yeah. that's why I'm still like, there's like eight movies that I'm jumbling eight to 10 movies that really could be in my top five that, I, I so, just don't know. So my top to five are really the ones that were the most memorable and the ones that's mm -hmm. like, yes, I would buy this. Um, and yeah, then, like, right. you know, like, for one, like, I'll just give a little bit of a spoiler, but, like, the Mission Impossible movie is not on my, my list. No, that's not, that's um, not going to be on It's not even either. an honorable mention. Even though I nope. thoroughly enjoyed it, I, uh, yeah. I have no desire to go back and watch it anytime soon. Yeah, I liked your Which, what you just said yeah. about memorable. The, that's part of mine. So, Memorable rewatchability. Those, not just the how good something is, because there are things that are I would say that are mostly people would say that are very good, but wouldn't be on neither of our lists because they're not either not as memorable as we want them to be, or they're not as necessarily rewatchable as we would like yeah. them to be. So. Well, and I've been running around all year saying like I have a favorite movie that I my the my favorite movie that I saw this year and the best movie that I saw this year, and I'm wrong in both cases because I do have a best and a favorite that is neither one of those two movies that I've been talking about, especially because I rewatched yeah. the one I'm talking about uh, since then. It's like yeah, okay, mm -hmm. this was this is the right instinct to have for me. So, yeah. Anyway, all right. So, just a little uh, sneak peek there as to what is coming. Um, all right. You ready to hop right in? Let's do this. All right. Rebel Boo. I mean, Moon. No, I was right the first time. Rebel Boo. All right. Out of 10 massively disjointed disappointments, what uh, do 6. you 5. 6.5. 6.5? You went that low I'm, for your boy? I'm, I'm kidding. Actually, it's for me. You're going to be shocked at this. It's a four for me. What a four even? Yes. That low for your boy? Yeah. I and, mean, uh, normally. And just so you, I mean, just so you know, like while I was watching it, <laughs> I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, this is not going. It, it was like at, at this height, it was like a five and a half maybe, and as it went on, it went down for me. And it's like at the end when I was done, I was like, this is a four to me. Yeah. Four out of ten. So I'm a 3.85 out of 10. Um, I gave it a whole extra point because it's pretty. Uh, the story is a mess. 
this goes along with what it, we we have this argument all the time, and we actually had this argument. I conceded that I will I will recognize the ten seasons of um, Supernatural <laughs> for you to come around to saying like just just agreeing with me that if it's not a shot for shot remake of something or like a panel for panel comic book thing, Zack Snyder is not a good storyteller. Uh, see, I, there are, there are things that I will agree with that, but not all of the way, just because of some of the things I've seen, because I will say, and I've said this before, and this kind of falls into what you're saying right now, like sucker punch. I do like, I've watched that movie one time. I have no desire to ever see it again. Right. Cause I do not like it at all. One of my favorite movies, 300, obviously, is a comic adaptation, which he actually added a lot of stuff. He did, but it's still mostly panel for panel remake. Well, it, it's not most. No, it, it, there are like subplots that he added. But as far as Leonidas and stuff, yeah, you're right. There, like a lot of that is actually panel for panel. Like uh, I'll give him, I'll give him Army of the Dead, right? Army of the Army Dead. Army of the Dead. Like the biggest problem, the only problem I had with that, and I think we both had it, was yeah. the daughter. Yeah, the daughter was just, but like it's you have a bad character every now and then, right? Fine, fine, right, yeah, fine. you know. Um, but as far as like Dawn of the Dead, remake, three hundred, taking it from, you know, um, what's it called? The the comic, watch the comic, taking it from the comic, yet added his own twist on the end that I prefer to the comic, right? Me too. Uh, yeah. Legends of the Absolutely. Guardians, the Owls of Gahuli. Oh, I never saw that. I, I didn't yeah. know that was him. So Sucker Punch, horrible. Man of Steel, we can debate on whether that's good like or we bad. Can, yeah. You know, like well, we, we've had the, this debate. We've had this debate only, since 2013. Yeah. The only so. debate that there their only thing there's no debate is is that it's absolutely divisive. There's, yeah. There, that's not well, a debate. I, well, so. I also think the only thing that there's no debate on is his version of the Kents are monsters. <sighs> yes, they are. So. They I, I I that's yes. 100%. Um, Batman v Superman. You have to watch the extended four and a half billion year version for it to be good. That's a problem, right? Justice yeah. League. Now, like the 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 Whedon Justice League, the entirety of the Whedon Justice League is in the Snyder Cut. Every single bit of that movie. And then he had to add another three and a half years to it to make it watchable. Yes. Um Army of the Dead, I actually really enjoy. That's like, to me, that is like the outlier for all of this. And so then now we get to Rebel Moon, part one. Um, it's got a different, it's part one something. Child of uh, Fire. The Child of Fire, right. And then coming in April is part two, The Scar Giver. Um, yeah. So jumping right into Rebel, Rebel Moon. So... When a peaceful settlement on the edge of a distant moon finds itself threatened by the armies of a tyrannical ruling force, Korra, a mysterious stranger living among the villagers, becomes their best hope for survival. Tasked with finding trained fighters who will who unite with her and making an impossible stand against the mother world, Korra assembles a small band of warriors, outsiders, insurgents, peasants, and orphans of the war from a different world to share a common it should say from oh from different worlds who share a common need for redemption and revenge as the shadow of an empire realm bears oh an entire realm bears down on the unlikeliness unlikeliest of moons the battle over the fate of their galaxy is waged in the process 
a new army of heroes is formed. Um, I imagine this Star Wars pitch that they rejected was kind of the seed for what Rogue One could be. Mm-hmm. Um, I also sit here and watch this, and it's like, all right, this was probably pitched to be in like current canon, uh, like timeline, like pre, you know, like pre Disney canon, right? right? Um, this would be a cool Kotor, you know, Knights of the Old Republic. Yes, the, the, you could have done something like this, and you could have had, you know someone like Korra as like a badass Jedi that like lost her way and then found it again, whatever. Um, it's still kind of a ripoff of Darth, Darth Revan, right? Uh, or Revan. Uh, there's just so much, like we were talking about this and, and like a lot of these people are like, Oh, it's star Wars and Dune and what, whatever, like, you know, sci-fi thing. And I don't think it's any of those. I thought it was just a bullshit ripoff of Firefly and Serenity. No, I, I don't think that necessarily. I think there, when we talked about this a little bit, right. but the one thing I disagree with, and I told you, is mm-hmm. there are shades of, I, I absolutely can see shades of Dune and the and the way they kind of try to frame the mother world. I also agree, though, with the Serenity and Firefly. There are parts of that because it does feel like a Western mm-hmm. in the sense of yeah. like almost like the Magnificent Seven in the sense of, but you're actually collecting heroes mm-hmm. or for lack of a better term first 20 minutes of this movie i i even like even in 20 minutes i felt like some things were missing and the more yeah. and this is the reason my ratings went down the longer i watched the movie the more i felt that stuff this movie was butchered mm-hmm. uh, and if you listen to the Zack snyder interview he said that netflix wanted a pg-13 version a shorter version of this movie right and this is what pisses me off is this is not going, this is not like a theatrical thing, even though this was released in theater for a week, whatever. I don't care. Give us your best version of the movie. Don't do this crap where this movie, I, I have no doubt that the extra, the, the director's cut is going to be better because again, his track record with director's cuts is very, it speaks for itself. His director's cuts are always better. Again, like, well, I mean, but better Batman. than what? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Bat- um, look, so, example, I gave you Batman v Superman. Right. Batman, and, and I told you this, this movie reminded me of the theatrical cut of Batman v Superman. Like, there were pockets of it missing. And again, this was WB cutting stuff down mm-hmm. because they wanted it to be in theaters, not right. him. Uh, and it was nonsensical. There were plot lines in that movie that were like, okay, this doesn't make sense. But then 15 minutes into the director's cut, that stuff that didn't make sense, it absolutely makes sense now. Right. So I'm still pissed because there was no need for that on Netflix. Give us the whole thing. Yeah. And again, and like you said, I have no doubt this is going to be better. It's going to be better than this abomination right now that we watch. Yeah, but you I don't shouldn't know how much have better. to have to watch well, like a two-hour Cliff Notes version of something and then well, go watch a nine-day well, extended cut. No, that's my whole point. Yeah, I know. That's what pissed me I'm off. Agreeing. And, and that's and that's just it's very annoying. Now, it's not one that uh and I know they're trying to part of Netflix's idea is double dipping. Yeah. I know that from streaming. That's why they're doing it. Again, it the, the thing is, it's going to turn people off in the sense of 
watching this and again the audience generally and i don't like using rotten tomatoes i really really don't i and then from what i've seen from people there are people that despise this movie that say it's garbage there are people that love this movie i am in the i i don't think it's garbage i and when i say garbage there's like nothing redeeming about it other yeah. than being pretty for example yeah. Yeah, I can see the bones of something that could be solid, and now will this extended cut make bring it up to a six for me? I don't know. I, I hope so. I, because... I think you have to automatically whatever your score is deduct a point because he had to do a second version of it, right? Like, yeah, it, it's it's very fresh. That that is the biggest frustration for me in this movie is watching it and watching this and knowing that things are cut out. Just by looking right. at it, not mm. not by the information I know that there's another cut coming out. Yeah. But looking at it and saying, because we've all seen movies where you're like, okay, this looks like something's missing, and then you read about it and say this scene was pared down or this well, was cut out. I think the best example of what you're talking about is the Hobbit trilogy, because it was just supposed to be two movies, right? And you right. got to a point, you get to a point with the first movie, and you're like, okay, this was the actual end of the movie. Yes. But we've still yeah. got 30 minutes left. And now they're filling in the beginnings of, a, a, you know, a placeholder movie, which was the, you know, mm -hmm. the Desolation of Smaug. And then you get to Desolation of Smaug, and you're like, okay, this is actually the start of the third movie. Right. It, it's like, but then you get to the third movie, and you're like 25 minutes in that movie. It's like, okay, this is the end of the movie. Why do we still have another hour and 40 minutes to go? That's absolutely. So, um, yeah, I don't. So here's the thing. I, like, I don't hate this movie. I I feel like it's a great outline. Like I said, it's a cliff notes for something better, probably. Um, I think my favorite thing about this movie is he had both versions of Dario Naharis in the movie. <laughs> right? So, because right. like Gunner, I was like, why does that guy look so familiar? And it's like, oh, it's Michael Heisman, um, who was the second Dario Naharis. And obviously, Ed Skirin, who was the first Dario Naharis, is uh, Admiral. Atticus Noble, which is such a gay name. Um, but like Diamond Jutsu shows up. Uh, an unrock and unrecognizable Ray Fisher shows up. Um, I thought that was interesting. Charlie Hunnam is in this. He's very widely promoted. Um, you Sir know. Anthony Hopkins. Well, hold on. Charlie Hunnam shows up and he's like pretending like he was the guy that uh, blew up Chibs in, um, in Belfast with his accent that comes and goes. Uh, <laughs> Sir Anthony Hopkins is actually, um, you know, cause he's the robot, right? Yes. And right. Which, and that's I was the say character the I'm most interested the, in. Yeah. I think the robot is actually the narrator. The robot you know is the I mean? best character. Like, so it's like, why does he have a crown at the end? Like, I want to know more about that. Like, I don't care. Right. I don't care about this ragtag band of, you know, Star Nazar as the nobleman turned blacksmith with the ability to bond with animals of nature. Well, where else and John are Carter from? What? Yeah. Oh yeah, he and was John, definitely John, you mean John Carter. Carter. He was the one wannabe John Carter. <laughs> mm. And then you've yeah. got uh, you've got Cleopatra Coleman was his was Ray Fisher's steaman uh, sister, uh, Devara Bloodaxe and Darian Bloodaxe. It's like this, these, dude. These are stupid names. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Uh, Jenna Malone was in it. Carrie Always is the king. Yeah, Jenna Malone. Um, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, like you, you've got good, there's so much good stuff that can be put in here, right? 
Yeah. I and will he say just this. Fails epically. This reads. This plays out. I should say, not reads like a first draft, where like the last you're putting draft. all these. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, you put all these ideas in, and you're like, "Oh, this is great, this is great," and you just don't step back and say, "Okay, let's go, let's you know, let's dissect this one by one." It's like, "Okay, this is what we're doing. This is my first draft. Have at it." Yeah, that's what it comes out across as. Like I, like I told you, my biggest issue with the Last Jedi, right, is that it's a first draft, and somebody had the idea, like, "Let's just do the world's slowest spaceship chase." And film it and shoot the movie in real time. Like, that's where all the narrative problems come from with that movie because you don't give anything a chance to breathe. And picking up directly where the last, the previous movie picked up. That was one of the, that was the biggest issue. One of my coworkers, I said, it's a car. Well, my biggest, well, I, there, I don't know what my biggest issue with that is. Uh, Like, the fact that it's nothing would have worked for me with that movie if they still had the car chase in space. Right. Yeah, nothing. It it doesn't matter, right? So, but yeah, the first draft aspect. It's again with first drafts going back to the Last Jedi. The holdo maneuver I thought was was honestly thought that was the best part in the movie from a visual standpoint. It's visually stunning and visually yeah. stunning, you know, and audio wise too because it just gets silent. However, with that being said, all cool stuff does not make it in stories, right? Because you have to think about okay. Yes, this is cool. But what does this do to the narrative of what we're telling? And what does this do to, more importantly, the canon of Star Wars? It destroys it. <laughs> so, yes, Rebel Moon didn't do anything like that. But Rebel Moon, it, there you can see where, oh, this is a great idea. But you didn't spend time to flesh it out. Right. right. Or it was a great idea, but it just probably you should take it out and focus on some of the other ideas and expound upon them. Right. So that's, I, I'm yeah. more disappointed than anything yeah. in this movie. Yeah. I'm not and mad. I'm just disappointed. Right. Like, yeah. which and is a whole, it's by, worse. That's worse. It's worse to me. It's worse to me. It's honestly, it's worse to me. So, so it's, I, I'm wait. I'm looking forward to, I'm actually not even looking forward to part two. I'm actually looking forward to parts one <laughs> and two, the extended cut. Because I, I think part two, we're going to get the same. Yeah, yeah, great trailer. I like the trailer for part two, but we're going to get the same thing. Which is another trend for Zack Snyder. Great trailers, mid-movies. So, so it, it's... Yeah. Just just give us the extended cut. Just and tell let us the ju- damn then judge the movie on that. Story. Yeah. Like... Yes. You know, and if you like, and I'm going to stand, this is my last thing I'm going to say about this. I'm going to stand by the, my assertion. Zack Snyder should be a director of visuals and a cinematographer. He should not be the main guy on set. <laughs> Hands down. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I, I think more so he's, I, again, cause I love his movies and I can argue for and against stuff. Yes. He's fine. I think he's fine as a director. However, and this is the big, however, he needs people that will tell him no or say, hey, and the people that he can listen to and say, oh, you know what? I like this idea, but maybe it's not the best ch- time to put 50 minutes worth of slow motion in a movie. Yeah. Some stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, like the movie's half the half the runtime is slow motion. 
Yeah. Like, it was similar we've talked about with George Lucas yeah. with the prequel series yeah. where there are some great ideas mm-hmm. in that prequels. Like j- just thinking, talking about what's going on. Well, he needed Irv- great like, ideas. He needed Irving Kirshner back on, yes. on the prequels. Yeah. It, like the, right. the dude who came over from Star Trek was just there to ruin Star Wars and be like, <laughs> like it was an inside job. Inside job. job. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, but as for, for Zach, right, like the other thing that might work for him is if he just stopped writing this stuff. Like maybe you have someone – because like here's the thing. Rebel Moon, written, directed, right? Sucker Punch, written, directed. Um, you know, Army of the Dead, written, directed, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just – you know, there's a little – sometimes there's just a little too much, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think it's harder when you're directing and writing something to be uh, unbiased mm-hmm. and look at something and say, you know what, probably this should probably come out. Yeah. That's where I'm saying he needs somebody by his, a couple people that, and he, that he trusts but also listens to and they don't just yes, yes man him and say, yeah. Zach, we need to pare this down or mm-hmm. – Let's cut slow motion down. Maybe by even by fifty percent. Right. That would make things better. Right. So Yeah. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Are you ready to move on to Monarch? Yes. Okay. So this is episode eight. Um and we are in the past again. In 1955, so leading closer and closer to Kiko's death, the quotes, death. Um, and then, and obviously, their present 2015. This episode is called Birthright. Um, I was more invested in 2015 than 1955, this episode. Yes, I was too. Um, I, I felt like. Everything that happened in 1955 was a retread from episode six. Like, you know, it's like, well, why does Monarch need money? Why is the, you know, oh, we have someone who's in charge who doesn't believe in the program. Um, This Lieutenant Hatch guy, like, why are you throwing this guy in so late in the game? You know, like he should have been in the background behind uh, Admiral General, what's his fuck, you know, the whole time. Like being in his ear, like this is this is fraud. This is th- these are shysters, grifters, snake oil salesmen, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh well, you know, we saw Godzilla, we saw this giant titan, but now we don't believe they exist, right? That the susp- and again the suspension Pocket, of disbelief. Pocket. Sorry, yeah, at times in some shows and movies where it's stuff like that. You've been given proof of one thing, but you deny the possibility of another very similar thing for right. reasons, for conflict, for drama. Yeah. And the, uh, the irony of we're not here to protect the world, having come out of World War II and now in the 1950s, where the U.S. is in the business of nation building at that point. Right. Right. It's like, you and, know what? Fuck you, dude. That's exactly what the U.S. is trying to be at that moment and becomes like maybe if you would have had more people like you would have had that sentiment, we wouldn't be in the problem we're in right now. Um, right. But, yeah, it was just kind of like this is so it was just 
like you know, and then um, the way Bill um, comes up with the Hollow Earth thing was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, good thing there was a hole in his map. <laughs> yeah. So, but I guess that's how like that's how things happen, right? Like, yeah, and, um, and I I don't mind that. No. I, I just like it was I was more frustrated by what you just said yeah. the retell rehashing with a different guy the disbelief mm-hmm. dis- and again despite incontrovertible proof that right. these things this one exists what makes you think just because one does no longer you know apparently does not exist there aren't other ones out there right and Godzilla just like hides like you know yeah. he he just shows up when we need him or he's like, okay, I have a question because I watched Godzilla and Godzilla King of Monsters this weekend. Um, don't ask why. Uh, but what does he eat? Well, my thought was it's radiation. It's that's but how so they, he eats uh, like once every fifty years. That's that's uh, that's my that's the one thing I not under I'm not a hundred percent sure. Or does he go back down to the Hollow Earth and eat down there? But like, my thought is is he lives on Main Earth and he doesn't go back down to Hollow Earth because they would all team up on him and kill him because he's like, you know, he's their poet from um, Rising Stars. He's the failsafe in case any of them go rogue. Yeah, I, that's that's a very good question. So anyway, and uh, uh, I know yeah, it completely derails question. the conversation, but um, but yeah. But maybe he's almost like a perfect system in that way. Is that when he got bombed, mm-hmm. that's all the energy he needs, the radiation he needs for a century or so. I don't know. Yeah. Who yeah. knows? Like that's one of those things that you can get away with it because as long as you make the rules able to follow you follow the rules of your own world yeah it doesn't matter if like people say well he would have to eat this in real life well yeah dude the fire breathing monster right on. i mean he's like is he fire breathing at this point or is he just or shooting out like gamma radiation, radiation right yeah <laughs> so, right um i mean he's angry it's obviously he's like azula in his firebending powers because it's blue fire but still I love when how he killed that Mudo in the first one. Dude, like when he fired down like, the throat, and then he was holding its head, and he just like dropped it. Like, so why am I, I still holding this? Yeah, yeah. I I I yipped in like when I watched that movie first time, and he did that. I was almost out of my seat, dude. In the theater, people went nuts when yeah. he did that. When he like that was he just yeah. baby birded him to death. <laughs> that was I think, great. I think that that's what I said in there. Um, oh, we didn't review. <laughs> We did. We no. We didn't exist then. We started in 2015. Anyway, all right. Uh, so in 2015, um, coincidentally, 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 words are hard, dude. How about this? Goonies enough, because um, the Goonies is just a series of coincidence, series of coincidences. Um, Shaw and Duvall. That sounds like a cool band name, Shaw and Duvall. Shaw and Duvall. Right. Uh, they head to Kazakhstan to the site of where Kiko was killed in 1959. Um, and I like I like Shaw's commentary when when uh, Duval's like, it looks like they're trying to keep people keep people in out. And uh, Shaw's like, nah, that's their half ass attempt to try and keep something in. Um, yeah, it's like he's so jaded towards Monarch. It's like I understand why he's trying to help Godzilla. Like he's not a. Here's the thing. He's not the villain of the story. He absolutely no. is not the villain of the story because 
He's like Thanos. He in Magneto. He makes valid points, and he's kind of right. Yeah, and and that's I, that's what I, I I like in these type of stories, you know, these fantasy stories is when you have an attack antagonist where if you stop and think, it's like, well, he's not wrong. It's it's and again, that's what that's more real in a lot of ways, not all the ways, but in a, in a lot of ways, there people have a lot of times have different ideals, and if like objectively, if you walk through them some of them could coincide or you can see okay from this point of view as obi-wan says from a certain point of view but i find that more interesting than someone who is just a cookie cutter bad guy and wants yeah. you know world domination even villains that are straight up you know villains i'd rather them have a justification mm -hmm. that they justify themselves that yeah sure so what that we can tear it apart but that just gives them more character i guess but for yeah. Shaw, he he does make interesting points. Yeah, and he, he literally makes quote unquote valid points. <laughs> so, yes. um, yeah, and and then you know, as as like Kate and Kentaro and May go with Tim to Monarch, you know, it's the gag, it's the old gag, like oh, this is Monarch, this is our legacy, and it's just this weird little crappy hall like too thin hallway with boxes everywhere and then they're like no this is monarch and it's the big control center mm -hmm. we've been seeing all along um i don't understand why kate kintaro and may are still a part of the story other than to be MacGuffins for perceived cannon fodder um and, you know, this is the part where we talk about these movies where they, they put so much, or these type of things, where they, they put so much onus on the human characters and not as much onus on the monsters that, yes. like, it's really hard to care about. Like, May's story should be done after Will the Real Ab May Please Stand Up. She should not be on the and, show anymore. She adds and nothing. For a, and I will say this. For a second, I thought they were going to go there with her mm -hmm. and be like, she's done. She's gone, and then they, yeah. well, they, 10 they, seconds later. They cleared up her mess, you know, that she yeah. made for her herself in her life. Um, but, you know, here we are. And then, uh, you know, uh, Vergato or Vergung, Vertigo? I don't know. How to say Verdu right. Verdugo. Verdugo, thank you. Uh, she decides to send them after Shaw. It's like, why are you sending these civilians? And they're like, well, we think you have a special way of thinking like your dad. It's like, mm. they are like, if their dad is like the Tesla self-driving stuff, they are like the Subaru test driving stuff. It's close, but it's just the retarded little cousin. Right, <laughs> they 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 kind of understand. They 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 in, in words would be described as a similar thing. But in reality, they're not even the same species. <laughs> right? Am I wrong? No, you're not. So, um but yeah, so like I, I don't I don't understand like uh, like honestly, the whole the whole reason Kate is in this episode is so she can fall into the hollow earth at the end of the episode. And she's obviously going to meet up with Kiko. In the Hollow Earth, who will not have aged a day. Yeah, that I, is what is going to happen. And uh, uh, dude, episode nine, Axis Monday, written by Matt Fraction. I'm going to tell you right now, 
this is Matt Fraction's where he's going with this story. It is to show oh. that, and it's going to explain why Shaw is so young because he and Kiko lived down there together after Bill died in uh, in Kongskull Island, and like they had a life together. And then I could see that. And then she was like, "Oh, well, you're never going to be half the man that Bill was," and he got mad and came back and left her trapped down there. Yeah. Okay. Like that, that is that is his heel turn. This is the thing. I could see that as being a way to say, see, he is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I absolutely know for one hundred percent, a hundred percent, like not even halfway through this episode, I was like, Oh, this is how they're gonna bring Kiko back. Because yep. again, yeah. when you don't see a person die, right. Just hold out. Falling down out a hole. Right. Falling down a hole does not mean you're dead. <laughs> right. Like, unless no, I, you've I even, been impaled by your shitty emo kid with the lightsaber first. Like, yeah. you know. Although it is a gut shot with a lightsaber, so those are like well, pretty much I mean, easy to just cu- rub some dirt and walk off at this point. Well, in Star falling Wars, down a hole after getting cut in two pieces, uh didn't yeah, it didn't stop there. anything. Yeah. So yeah, I a hundred percent she's gonna be alive and like you said. I I find it interesting, and I I actually don't doubt that uh, the way writers are nowadays, yeah. as far as making Shaw the bad guy, which you exactly what you said. Yeah. For some reason, he left. Yeah. I don't know if she's going to use those words, or for some reason he left the Hollow Earth to come back. And everything you said about that, I, it's <laughs> if if that is verbatim what happens, it's going to be hilarious. Even seventy percent of what happens, I'm not other wrong. Than the, I am not other wrong. than the. Other than the Keiko thing, because I know that's that's again before we even talked about this, like, I was going to say that I was like, oh, she's absolutely alive. I'm way. not. I'm not I'm a not Sith, a right? I don't speak in absolutes, but I'm absolutely positive what I just described is going to be what happens. That that is going to be. I really hope there's some some little wrinkle. Yeah, because <laughs> that again, it's it's too on the nose. Yeah. So it, it anyway, like anyway. All right. Whatever. So uh, we, out of out of five, Kate has gone to meet her grandmas as we close this out. What yeah. do you what do you give this episode? Uh, three point seven five. I went with a three point nine nine um, just because I love Kurt Russell. Like I, I refuse to like give this show a low grade because <laughs> I love, I love Kurt, Kurt Russell so much. I mean, like Kurt Russell, Kevin, um, Kevin Costner, like. These are the actors of my youth that like can do very little wrong. I mean, the fact that Kevin Costner has an entire genre of Kevin Costner sports films that like I not only repeatedly watch but own all of, including Draft Day, like I'm here for it. So, dude, for love of the game is one of my favorite. Dude, movies. for love of the game is the third greatest I, baseball movie of all time. I absolutely love yeah, that movie. It is the third greatest baseball movie of all time. What are your first two? Bull Durham. Major League. Oh, sorry. That uh, the natural is above those mm-mm, two for me. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, natural's 100%. number four. Eight man out is number no. five. No, yeah. like I will watch the natural a hundred. And again, don't, I'm going to th- argue. That's... I'm going to argue real quick. The natural is not a baseball uh, movie. It's a supernatural movie. Okay, no, that's and then Field of Dreams is number six, which I know is probably like, you know, people are out there like, what are you talking about? And then the Sandlot is number seven. And again, all of every movie you said just now, 
I absolutely love and adore. Yeah. I mean, they're all top I 10 will, baseball games, Like I, know, Again, so yeah. it's it's like, our, I mean, it, the arguments are <laughs> about things of, because all of them are great. That, I mean, I don't, I like if somebody said, oh, these aren't, okay, then, then we're going to fight. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, just a natural for me. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you two movies game. that are not top 10 baseball movies. Rookie of the what? Year and Angels in the Outfield. No, that so. that is correct. The Rookie with Brendan Fraser, it. top 10 baseball movie. Anyway, all right. Um, we digress. Let's move on. to reach. I'm sorry. I, lo- I love doing the little, you know, uh, <laughs> asides there. All right. Reacher, episode five. We're halfway through the season. We've got uh, three episodes left after it- this one. Okay. That was about to say. I didn't. Okay. I think about um, the rate. This is the, the title is Burial. Burial, however you want to say it. Um, Neely and Dixon go to New Age's Denver facility where they make the missiles. Um, I, I really like the decentralized nature of New Age. It's kind of smart, really. It's like, okay, we have to make the missiles over here, but then we make the software and the chips over here. And then when you want to use them, we got to bring them together. Like, yes, absolutely. If you don't have people on the inside who are super corrupt and like obviously looking to shoot down civilian aircraft. Um, that's a really great system. Yeah. And I'm rewatching, you know, rewatching. We watched uh, episode two yesterday, one and two yesterday, oh, nice. season one. Nice. And watching the guy who gave AM the information mm-hmm. on the cargo and stuff. And you're like, hey, this is the 650. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're not going to, these are going to be used overseas, right? Definitely. Definitely. Like, and really? now my little knife is going to come out and stab you in the throat. Well, he didn't. He actually let that guy go. He did. You're right. Um, But yeah, yeah. So, like you said, without corrupt guys like that, yeah, without without Robert uh, Patrick Patrick. I was like, what is his name? Robert Patrick. Um, But yeah. So, and then you've got um, Neely and Dixon in a really cool shootout. I kind of like the way they handled the uh, hiding in the trunk during the shootout. That was kind of cool. Um, still not sure how one of them didn't get shot in their, their very ample, very fine booties as they were climbing back in there. But Hey, suspension yeah. of disbelief. Right. Um, right. and I love when also when, how, uh, how those guys did not reload. Um, and that was a clip of 30 yeah, rounds right? and not reloading. But anyway, you know, Hey, well, so later on, there's a whole thing where it's like Reacher has a 17 round handgun and he, Definitely needed to reload before he ran out of bullets, and he ran out of bullets yes. at the, you know, the most inopportune time. Um, yeah. So they're off doing that. Um, Return O'Donnell go to um, to DC. I really liked how uncomfortable Alan looked in O'Donnell's house with the kids running around, and I was waiting yeah. for one of the kids to accidentally hit Reacher and like freak out that like, oh my god, I'm about to die. <laughs> and then, like, Reacher be like, beat a kid. Um, you know, something. Um, I did like when he's like, you know, O'Donnell, if this is, if no one would have ever bet this is how you were going to live, um, we would have bet you were like dead in a pool of your own blood with, with uh, 47 women fighting over the, the estate yeah. or whatever it was. <laughs> that was really good. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was that. And then, their uh their meeting with homeland security with the um with the senator who um i like when they pick reacher up 
and he he's like, well, you didn't say the magic word. And they say please, and he gets right in, like because he's still a soldier, yeah. right? Um, right. He's always going to have that. And then when they get there, and Senator Lavoy shows up, and he's like, no, he has to call me Mister. It was like, yes, yeah, nice. Um, love to see it. And uh, then the the aide comes in, and he starts to yada yada Reacher's uh, Reacher's resume. And Lavoy's like, no, dude. No, you showed this guy respect. Like, right. I, I really, yeah. I really like that. I thought that was a very important speed because I seen. I don't think Lavoy is a bad guy. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it's more like again, like like a good politician. I think he does. He absolutely cares about yeah. the ability to these things being used for nefarious purposes. But he also puts it that the idea what he does also puts a win in his column in a way. Yeah. So yeah. It's not that he he's completely because uh, he's not self completely self-serving. Right. So and that's what I think you're saying is the fact that. And I really hope so. Hope they keep it this way and they don't do a turn. I don't think they're going to do a turn with no, him. No, no, no. I, there, just there's, based on this, yeah. the way they write these things. It's not like um, Picard in season one where it was like, <laughs> OK, this guy's shady right. from the start. You mean you just mean Star Trek politicians and heads of Starfleet in general? Oh no, no. I mean Picard from season one of uh, the black, the FBI agent. Uh, oh, oh, oh! You're right. Sorry, Finley's sorry. friend. Yeah, you said Picard. You yeah. understand? What I know, right? Where it went? Um, oh, absolutely. But yeah, because it's every time I hear that name, season one, I think mm -hmm. Picard. I I think the real Picard. Yeah, that dude, the guy that played Picard, who was the um, the admiral in the Expanse. Is in the first Godzilla movie with um, the one Belter guy who gets spaced by Marco Inaris, who's also in the Expanse. Beltalota. Beltalota. Even your dreams are small, Beltalota. I love saying that to someone who like says something stupid. I'll just look at them and be yeah. like, even your dreams are small, Beltalota. Dude, and they, they look at me and they're Marco like, with... "What are you talking about?" Um, that guy that played Marco was dude, so good, yeah, right? So freaking good. Um. So I'm re-listening to like I, so I finished Dune. Quick aside, I finished Dune, and then I'm gonna re-listen like as I listen, like I'm gonna go through the first six books again, and then I'm gonna re-listen to the Expanse from beginning to end with the novellas where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Oh, so gosh, I love that show. Anyway, I love that show. I love that series. The books book are series. yeah, it's the best ending to a book. The best ending to a series. I, lo I love that. So, yeah. Anyway, all right. So back here. Um. So they go to Francis' funeral. Um. And, you know, there's been a couple times here where um, Reacher has accused Russo of being dirty. Um, mm -hmm. And he sees Russo give a gift to Franz's kid and talk to the wife. And he's like, why are you talking to them? Are you trying to win them over? Blah, blah, blah. And they have this argument. And it was great because, like, Russo's like... Dude, anytime you want to go, I'm going to give you that beating you you deserve. And it's like, mm, that's not going to happen. But Reacher's like, we can go right <laughs> here. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, you know, like, I like you know, I, I thought that was really great. And then we got the backstory about how Russo's dad was killed because he refused to go on the take. And, right. like, right there, he earned Reacher's respect and, like, Reacher's yeah. trust. 
Um, so, but then, so this is the part I was talking about. You have two snipers. Reacher sees one. He gets everybody down. They miss. The team does what the team does best. Uh, Neely takes out the one sniper. The other one runs off. And Reacher's just shooting. Like, like he has a 17 round. Uh, there might be, there might be 19 rounds in that Glock that he has. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and he shoots all 19 shots well before they're done. Like, yeah. shooting supposed supposed to be shooting where he needs to reload and then he gets down where the guy gets in the car he jumps down i did like that they're like you're the slowest runner of us all and yeah he definitely couldn't yeah. catch that guy um it's because alan you're carrying too much weight buddy <laughs> yeah so all that muscle is heavy it requires a lot of oxygen <laughs> to move um you know ask ryan bader <laughs> about what it's like to be super muscular <laughs> and have to go for for 25 minutes in a fight um not that Ryan Bader wasn't awesome, but you know he was just oh too he's a smaller guy. Ask Conor McGregor, yeah. Yeah. why does he get? Why do you think he gasses out all the time? Yeah, anyway, like when he goes deep. But yeah, one thing I I like about Reacher the show is that as good as he is about stuff, he's wrong sometimes. He's wrong a lot. And I go back to season one where he you know he he broke down what Finley was, a mm-hmm. divorced guy who just quit smoking, mm-hmm. who came from Harvard. And then finding out later on that, you know, Finley's wife actually died. Right. And he had that same look when Finley tells him that as when Dom tells him about his father. That like, oh, man, I misread this. Well, it's funny because details are important to Reacher. Yes. But Reacher has details but jumps to the wrong conclusion. Yes, which I like because, you know, that that makes him more of a human character instead of somebody that always – it's always right. Which also makes me want Neely and Dixon to stick around past this season because they challenge ah. him in the best way. Yeah, yeah. And that that's what I said about season one, how much I loved uh, Finley and uh, Roscoe. Roscoe, yeah. And then you get, the, you get this O'Connell, Dixon, and Neely and Reacher dynamic. That This quartet is so fun together. Yeah. And like you said. I think O'Donnell's going to die. I have... I, I, you know what's funny is he is the archetype of the guy that dies. He's the red shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as far as the personality yeah. he has, the fact he has he's a, a family, great character. Fact- I really like him, but I think yeah. he's going to be the one that goes. The, um, the fact that yeah. he's changed so much since you know he's the family man now, all of that. Yeah, I absolutely think he's going to die. Yeah, just like I knew that that building was going to explode when that guy well, went in there. I was like, yeah. oh, this building is that's that's obvious, right? Like the way where it was placed and everything, I was like, "Oh, this guy's getting blown to bits." Yeah. So. Um, and and then so the funeral, they're running him down. Russo catches up with him in the car. Reacher hops in, and I love it because he's like, "You know, this is a high speed chase, right?" And, the and he's like, the right. "Jump the curb!" And yeah, then he says, "This is one on the right." And then Russo goes, "Do you want to drive?" And Reacher thinks for a second. He goes, "Yes." Steps on the foot. Grabs the the wheel and like, you know, like stops the guy. And then when he gets the, uh, the would be assassin and he's like, I'm, I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to squeeze your neck until you decide you want to talk. Yeah. (laughs) So you can either talk or die. And like the guy finally talks. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, blink. He he tells, yeah, blink when you want to talk. Um, (laughs) and so then he tells them that Swan paid them to kill the members. I think this is red herring. I don't think it's, I think so too. Um, I think so. I I think this is, this is is something that, that Robert Patrick's character 
is doing to uh, to throw them off of their yeah. game. Because that's too. That's just too on the nose yeah. to me. I think absolutely. Well, and, and, and yeah, and, and there's there's more layers to this show for for that to to happen. Yeah. Um, and we also get why Reacher is so adamant that he doesn't believe it's Swan, mm-hmm. in part because Swan saves his life. Yeah. In, when in that flashback when yep. they're having that bust and the guy's like looks at Swan like, hey. Don't yeah, I know you? Don't I know you bought my guitar off of Craigslist, but you were married, wearing a millet. Like, what kind of guy is he? Obviously, knows something bad is going on. Says, yeah. but you were wearing a military cop. It's like, oh yeah, oh well, maybe yeah. But um, what Swan should have done is like, yeah, I bought the guitar. It's awesome. Thank you. Instead of just denying it. Yeah, you know. But right. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, great episode. So um, out of five. I thought this was a high-speed chases. What do you give the episode? 4.11. Nice. I went with a 4.49 because I thought this was a really deep episode. I thought mm-hmm. it did a great job moving not just the story but the character development along. And as we're heading into the final three episodes, um, New York's Finest, A Man Goes Through, and Flyboy, um, I really think that there's there's a lot of story to tell, but there's a great way that they're going to show us everything that needs to happen. And I still yeah. like the fact that we know more about what's happening than Reacher and the special investigators know. And yes. I really love that style of storytelling, especially with like what AM did and like you know what little he did in this episode, but was still really important to push the "I'll meet you in New York." You know, so we yeah. know everything's coming to head in New York, and I think. Um, O'Connell's going to die, and I definitely think Russo's going to die. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. So, why, why'd you give it 4.11? No, 4.11 is a No, that's a great score. I, no, no, yeah, yeah. No, I, I didn't say that, like, Yeah, oh. I it just, yeah. there was, yeah, it's nothing that necessarily, it didn't do nece- anything necessarily wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times you can say, okay, I'm dropping this down because of it. It's just... It was a solid showing, yeah. uh, strong showing, uh, and I look at it like this: if this was a movie, this is b- bigger, better than an eight out of ten. So, oh, yeah. and you know, I don't, I don't give much stuff. Just like for you, this is almost a nine out of ten for a movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, it's just just my choice, my thought of like really strong. I uh, liked it more than last week. I think was last or when? Yeah, last week you you gave it. A pretty low score. You were under four. Yeah. So I liked it better. For a second, I got it confused with Monarch and what, <laughs> you know, Monarch, a couple Monarch episodes. But yeah, strong. I, I like how this is moving the story forward. That's what I like about these Reacher shows, mm-hmm. just like they should be. An eight episode show should not have filler, Ahsoka. Um, There's no filler in this in this season. No. None. Whatsoever. Everything, like, like, Instead of saying details matter, yeah. everything matters. Yep. So, and I'm I'm going to say yeah. the same thing about Monarch too. I don't think I don't feel like Monarchs had much filler. Yeah, it's just uh, everything is not as effective to me. Even though I understand, like the May episode, <sighs> yeah. I didn't like it, but I got why they did that, and it did add some things to her character, despite me still not liking the yeah. episode as much or liking her. I can still argue. It I moved, see why they did it. Move the story along. Yeah, like right. really I can did. see why they so, did that. Yeah. But, so. Oh, uh, one thing real quick to say before we go about uh, 
about Monarch. I think Kate is going to be infinitely nicer to her grandma than she was to her mom. Yes, I think so, too. Because Kate is a spoiled, obnoxious She is turd. such a brat. So. She is such a brat. Yeah. So. So, anyway, with that being said, um, Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for listening. Um, trying to think if there's anything else we want to add. No. We'll be back Just next tomorrow. Time. Make sure. Yeah. yeah. I hope, hope everybody, when they listen to this, they cheer the Michigan Wolverines on to a New Year's Day win against the villains, villainous hive of scum and villainy that are the Crimson Tide of Alabama. I said it. Wow. I said what I said. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine it's going to be any worse than what happened to uh, Florida State. Florida State with their backups. Although I do like how Kirby Smith put his backups in and then scored thirty-five points in the second quarter. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's again, it's easy to do that when yeah. a team is missing, is playing only five total starters on offense and defense. Yeah. And yeah. so their backups that would come in have to start and those backups after that are clearly not as good as the backup so it's one of those things where it's ridiculous and right. i'm i just uh, there's an article i haven't read yet but kirby smart calls for changes because he even says he's like i can say we had our guys and they didn't have their guys right. which is and and people trying to say well this proves florida state shouldn't no it's it's not what, what it, context matters right yeah can you name us you imagine if this Georgia team, as good as they are, if they would have had the same issue and they mm -hmm. play any team in the top four, they might not lose by 60, right. but I guarantee you they're losing to Michigan, to Washington, to Texas, to Alabama by 40. Right. If they play, if they had their third string quarterback and they had to play their backups at 95% of their position. Right. I don't care who you are. You're not going to win against a good team that's motivated. Right. Right. So like that garbage, it learn, understand context and stop using stuff to build your narrative. Well, uh, you know, that's what they're going to do anyway. Oh, absolutely. They are. So absolutely. People are. Yep. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for listening to y'all. See you in a few hours. Um, thanks. Happy New Year. See you next year. Happy New Year, fellas. Bye. The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Infamous Podcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamous podcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons that are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>